Good evening, everybody. Come on, yeah. Welcome to Epiphany Church. As you know, my name is Pastor Joe. If you're watching online, welcome to worship. Thank you guys for coming out here on a holiday, on a Sunday night. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm glad that I got some time to enjoy this weekend. We had a great time with fireworks and hanging out and eating entirely way too many grilled meats yesterday. So we are also sending our blessing to our brothers and sisters who are, you know, in different spots enjoying this holiday. But today we're going to continue our series, Don't Give Up. Let me pray for us as we dive into this message. Amen. Father God, I pray that we would be able to walk out of here tonight knowing why you brought us. God, would you speak to every person here in this room? Would you speak to those who are watching online right now, to those who will catch this word in the days to come as they watch it later? Oh God, I just pray, Lord, that you'd have something for us that we need. And Lord, we pray, God, that we would come to you as, as blind beggars, that we would come to you and we would find out that there's a spot where we have all that we need in you, that you provide all that we could ever want, and we just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for gathering us tonight, God. Thank you for your word. Lord, would you bless us in every way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we took a little break from the book of Genesis, and we've been preaching this on-time, Holy Ghost audible word, right? Like sometimes the quarterback is, is, is given a, it gives out a different message. Uh, we think we're going to go and scramble in a certain way, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, nope, we're going to change the whole line. We're going to do something a little bit different, and that's what happened. The Lord has led us to do something a little bit different for a few weeks, um, and in a couple weeks from now, we're going to get back to preaching through Genesis and learn about the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And if you think that your family has problems, you are going to be encouraged <laughs> as we dive into the, the Word of God and, and learn about some of the first families of the faith and realize that we're right at home. We're right at home with that brokenness and that dysfunction. And God yet still moves through men and women of faith. Amen? Amen. But tonight I want to share a message that I have been wrestling with back and forth. Well, should I share this? Should I share this? And I believe that it is a message to share. And it's, it's, it's don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. And the, the reason that anybody would wrestle with this isn't that complicated. There's a danger in any message like this, right? And the number one is, how do you know that your dreams are from God? And that's really step one. You know, will God bless your godless dreams? <laughs> well, if he does bless our godless dreams, that is not a blessing. That's a judgment. When, when God allows you to attain the dreams you had that don't include him, that's actually not a gift, but a curse. And we see it all the time, right? We see it all the time. Let's say somebody, they, 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 they have a natural talent for seeing opportunity. And they look around and they also happen to have connections with the right people. And they, they marry together the, the opportunities they see and the connections they have. And let's say they buy up a bunch of houses 
and they, they buy up these houses and they know how to manipulate the, how the Section 8 vouchers work. And let's just say that they um, have friendships with the right people so that the inspections on their houses are not very thorough. And now what do you have? You have a, a, a slumlord who has fulfilled his dreams. Right? He's got 70, 80 homes. Is that the kind of dreams that God wants to give us? Is it a blessing? Or is it a curse? Listen, my brothers and sisters, God's hand isn't on you in godless dreams. Actually, God's hand has departed. It is his daughters and his sons that have their dumb dreams frustrated. <laughs> I know that some of us can relate to that. We're like, we have tried to accomplish dumb dreams, and, and it's like God just keeps frustrating them. And we wonder, why is it that some people get to do their dumb dreams and we don't get to do ours? Well, you're not the only one who's ever thought that. So if you look in Psalm 73, verses 1 to 3, here the, the psalmist, his name is Asaph, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who have a pure heart. But me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Because I envied the arrogant, and I observed how wicked are the well-off. And, and actually, if you go to this psalm, we're not going to read the whole thing, but he keeps meditating on how is it that it seems like those who mock God, those who have all the riches and power and wealth, and those who seem to accomplish their dreams can do what they want, and yet those who fear God are suffering. He says, my feet almost slipped. Now you can figure out who Asaph is if you have a study Bible, right? Or you could go on, as Pastor Rich reminded us last week, right? Just go on Google. <laughs> who is Asaph? And we find out that Asaph was a seer. Seer. S-E-E-R. Seer. It, it's just like it sounds like in English. Like one who sees, Right? A seer. And, and, and this is the old name, the name that usually was attached to those people who were prophets before the times of the kings, but not Asaph. He was around and he was prophesying. He was able to see the hidden things of God. Not only that, Asaph was a Levite and he had a special responsibility and his family had a special responsibility to do the ministry around the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I don't know if you have ever watched the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, and at the end of the movie, right, they, they, they get the Ark of the Covenant, and they, the Nazis crack it open, and what happens? Like, everyone's face just melts, right? Well, that's, that's a goofy movie, but it comes from the biblical stories that, that you know, foreign nations would take the Ark of the Covenant. People would touch it in a way that God had not prescribed and they would fall dead. Others, you know, they would come and they would take it and they would put it in front of a false idol and that statue would be found knocked over, smashed into pieces. And so Asaph had this like sacred job to, to, to guard and to, to minister in the very center of the temple where the Ark of the Covenant is, at the very center of the Holy of Holies, where, where the, the, the people knew that, that it was the footstool of God. It was the entry point of His reign on earth. It was the place where heaven and earth met in the temple. And Asaph slipped. That guy slipped. That guy who was ministering the temple and saw the glory of the Lord. 
That guy who got the prophecy. That guy who got to see the hidden things of God. That guy who got to talk to kings and tell them and warn them about you know, God's truth. That guy in the very center of God's people representing God. That guy looked around and he almost slipped up. So maybe you and I also, maybe we'll struggle. Maybe we'll slip up, right? We've got to give ourselves grace. Yes, it's very possible that we will slip up as well. And, and you know, we need to, to die of, our, of, our, of these godless dreams, you know, that we have. Every one of us has them. Every one of us has godless dreams. Every one of us, and I mean me, Dylan, Michelle, every person you can imagine at the church, every person you can imagine at a church much better than ours. <laughs> Everyone has godless dreams. And everybody has, like, like, if they were just to shut their eyes and just, like, go rent a car, but, like, rip up the contract and, have, like, just steal it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just put a bunch of whatever they enjoyed in the trunk and just drive off into the sunset and like leave every responsibility that they have. Everybody has some dream that doesn't come from God. But we cannot be ruled by those dreams. We can't live in those dreams. Right? God wants us to have better dreams. He wants to have dreams for our our children and our children's children. So how do you know your dreams are from God? And I was helped a bunch. I just wanted to be known by um, this, this author, uh, Peter Schizero, um, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And so I actually have these books, um, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and all of our elders in training and our uh, deacons in training, they're going to get one. and You can get a head start this summer if you get time to read it. But we're going we're gonna to be walking through this in the fall with our coaches. And we're, we're, gonna, we're going to be diving into this. And, and instead of some of the planned stuff we were going to get into... How can we raise money? How can we recruit volunteers and keep them happy? How can we use our gifts? How can we pray kingdom prevailing prayers? Minister prophetically. Those things are necessary. But before all of that, before we can know how we can be used by God, we need to know ourselves. We need to, to get into a healthy spot ourselves. We need to slow down. Because we're repeating the iniquities of our family, right? Somebody say iniquities. Yeah, so, so the Bible has all these, they have all these um, words for sin, right? And when we hear them in English, we're just like, okay, sin, another word for sin, transgression, offense, you know, iniquity. But actually, each, each one has a different emphasis. Um, and the idea of iniquity is this, this idea of, of sin sickness. It's like iniquities. So, so God does not punish the, the sins of the father to the sons, right? Or the mother to the daughters. And yet, iniquities tend to pass down. From our family, from one generation to another. It's another way of saying, you know, we, we were bent a certain way. We're, 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 we are not, none of us, we are not like just this straight arrow. We are all bent in all kinds of complicated ways. And, and the way we sin, the way we're inclined to sin, the way we're inclined to be tempted is different. Each one of us is tempted in a different way. But don't we get real proud of how our sin is different than somebody else's? <laughs> no, we do and we shouldn't. You know, 
So you have this girl who has eyes for both men and women and dives into those relations and has all the baggage that it brings to her. Then you have this guy who is in the misery of his life, is tempted and tries out meth, and now, though they're struggling to not use it, is still haunted by it, and every once in a while slips up and jives in headfirst. And then you have this other dude who's married, and he's pulling in over a hundred grand, right? And, and, and everything on the outside of his life looks perfect and pretty and good, but he has an ever-increasingly sickening addiction to pornography. And they all need the mercy of God. They all need new life that God provides. They all need the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I need you to know that, that God's dream for you isn't about classing up your sin. Do you hear what I'm saying? God's dream for you isn't about classing up your sin. It isn't about exchanging a certain kind of sin for a more classy kind of sin. <laughs> it's not God's dream for you to, to go from living to this very second because there ain't much hope that the next second is going to be much better, right? And then switching that sin for being paralyzed and worried because now you got responsibilities, now you got bills. Now you got a full schedule. In fact, your life is so full and so hectic and so busy, you got family in need, and you can't even help them because you're grown up and you got too much to do. <laughs> like, God is not impressed with middle class sins, and He's not more grieved over the sins of those who are living right on the edge. And so our dreams are not just, oh, I just want to sin in, 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 in a more, in a less openly shameful way. No. God has other dreams. God's dream isn't to class up your sins, brothers and sisters. God's dream isn't to, 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 for you to live without God getting high or to move to distracting your soul with endless work. Amen? God has better dreams for us. And what we need to do is we need to renounce. And this is a good day to say this. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it'll rub some people the wrong way. But we need to renounce the Americanized Jesus. Okay? We need to... Listen, I've lived overseas... And I'm grateful to have been born here in America. There's, just like I had been talking about just moments ago, there's different ways to be broken, and it's not like we're trying to move from one to the other. We want to be healed. We want to be whole. We want to please God. But uh, there is an Americanized Jesus and the Americanized Jesus is the Jesus who helps you be great. Say, be great. He helps you be popular. Say, be popular. And he helps you be a success. Say, be a success. Yeah, renounce all of that. Like, all the things that we think are the greatest things, the, the dreams that we have, the Americanized Jesus, where, you know, the Jesus that you'll often hear, possibly if you're tuning in on TV, the Jesus that you'll, you'll want to hear, the Jesus that you want to read about, right? The one who's going to help you realize your American dreams. But we don't worship the Americanized Jesus. We renounce the Americanized Jesus because we are called, brothers and sisters, to worship the crucified Jesus. Not the Americanized Jesus, the crucified Jesus. Who calls us to be humble and, and, to, and, and rather to be liked and to be seen, but to be loved and known by God. I, I wish that you would understand how different that is. I, I wish that you would understand the, just the, the, the happiness and the, the real deep joy that comes between the, the shallow 
thrill of being seen and getting a bunch of likes on Instagram and Facebook and the being known and loved by the Creator, being accepted by God. You know, not just being a success, but having a significant life. Can you imagine? Having a significant life. My, I got a good friend, a lot of you know, Vito Baldini. He has served with us, helped us with our recovery stuff. He serves as the, as the founder of small things and helps 70 churches in the Philadelphia area get out millions of pounds of food in their neighborhoods. And um, he told me about his sponsor, the, the sponsor that helped him you know, get off the heroin, get clean. And it was an older African-American guy who just loved him, you know, just embraced him. And, you know, he lived in North Philly his whole life, um, never, never was rich. You know, the mom had issues never got into recovery and so he was left holding the holding the plate you know to raise i think like three or four kids and um just struggling by it's a tough job you know and uh i remember him telling me you know like all of his kids love him He sponsored a whole bunch of people that got clean and are more successful than he ever, ever has been. That's significant. That's significant. Like, I want my five kids to not grow up, and, and I, I don't want them to, to hate me and have a successful church. I don't want the Americanized Jesus with the flashy ministry. I want, I want to have five kids that know that I love them. God wants you to have better dreams. Amen? So how do you know which one you're worshiping? Well, if you're worshiping the crucified Lord and not the American Lord, you will embrace suffering and you will embrace limits. I know that's a hard one. We don't want to embrace limits. We want to live our lives without limits. That sounds like a really fun sermon, right? Life without limits. You know what, though? If I preached life without limits, what I would be preaching is, that'd be, that would have been a good sermon title when we preached Genesis 3, because that's what Adam and Eve wanted. Adam and Eve wanted life without limits. Now, they had a thousand trees they could have ate from that would have given them life. That would have fed them body and soul. But they decided to eat from the one tree they were warned not to. And that's like our problem. That's not an asset. That's not something that we should be like boasting about and proud about. We shouldn't be celebrating, oh man, there's just no limit. No limit. She has no limit. She will drop at a, a moment's notice, 1 a.m., come to your house help you any second and she'll do it Tuesday and she'll do it Thursday and she'll do it Saturday. That's not good, brothers and sisters. You have limits. You can't help every single person all the time. It's not just the limits of, you know what I mean? Okay, well, I'm not going to murder anybody today. I I'm not going to cheat on my husband or cheat on my wife. That's not the only limits you were born with. You know, we all have limits, whether we like it or not. You know, some kids, some kids were told that they could be anything they wanted to be. <laughs> you know, and maybe a teacher in a classroom had a poster with a cat <laughs> or something stupid like that. And she said, believe, you know, like the Lego movie, right? Maybe you had a, you know, a teacher or, or even 
you had like the mom who told you, you can do anything you want, sweetie. You can be anyone you want to be. And then the seed is planted in us that we can do anything. And the reason that we aren't doing anything, the reason that we're not accomplishing our dreams is because, well, we didn't try hard enough, right? And I just want to bulldoze that lie. And this might be discouraging, but it'll also be encouraging. No, you cannot do anything you want. And there are, you are sitting next to your own brothers and sisters, like you're in your family. I don't mean in the church, like your own brothers and sisters. Some of your brothers, some of your sisters are going to do things you can't do, and you can do things they can't do. God made us all different. The same thing, you're sitting in a class full of other kids. There are things that you can do that they can't do. And there are things that they can do that you can't do. And it's okay. The other kids are told, and the seed is planted. You know, you're not so smart, and you're not going to be too much. You're not going to amount to much. You know... You should, you, should, you, should, you should think about these things, you know what I mean? Maybe things you saw some of your family doing. And for some people, it's like, well, I saw my family doing this and that. And, you know, since the time I was really young, I, I, I got welfare and I'm going to stay on welfare. I got, I got other family. They, maybe I could go and, and, you know, work certain jobs but not other jobs. I certainly can't go to school. It's just not, it's not, what my, not what the people around me do. And I want you to know that that is a lie. Both those kids were lied to. God's dream for you isn't God's dream for me. And his dream for me isn't God's dream for you. But God... God's dream does include, doesn't include, sorry, ignoring the limits he placed on your life. His law is a limit placed on every single one of us. So you got to stop taking shortcuts. you you got to stop breaking the speed limit, right? You, I'm preaching to myself. I just got a ticket. I got to go all the way back down to Virginia, right? I'm going to spend a whole day. I'm going to drive six hours down for court. Not a good move. Was it a shortcut? Did, did I get down there a little quicker? <laughs> yeah, I might have saved like a half hour getting down to Virginia and then added another 12 hours because I got to drive six hours down and six hours back. We got to stop taking shortcuts. Driving around without insurance, without our license, lying on our taxes, lying to our family, lying to ourselves, telling ourselves that, you know, telling yourself that, that you're doing X, Y, Z to manage stress, that without that second, third, fourth glass of wine, you can't chill out, telling yourself that, that you're managing your anxiety and you're a better mom, you're a better dad. You, you don't yell as much when, you, when you're smoking weed every day. Acting like God isn't just going to ignore everything you're doing. He sees everything we're doing. Amen? So if you're blessed in your godless dreams, you're not blessed. It's just that God has ignored you and let you do your thing. And if you have time, you have time while you're still breathing and your heart's still beating to repent before you have to face all of that. Where you have all that's going to catch up to you. And there's time. There's time to turn back and to change your dreams. You know, your past, brothers and sisters, is a limit that God works with. Your past. Your past family's past. Your health is a limit that God works with. You know, and I've learned so many ways 
that I need to embrace my limits. You know, I used to compare myself constantly. Constantly. I'm going to say I never compare myself with others, but I used to have it as like a, like, like, like a professional sport of mine. You know what I mean? I used to just constantly compare myself to others, and I don't anymore. You know, and I know that there's stuff that some of my brothers and sisters will do better than me, there's stuff that my brothers and sisters will do faster than me. Like, I'll do it eventually. It might be later in life. Or it might take me longer to do. I, I, I don't just, like, come in and just naturally gifted. I might have to work more hours. I might have to study longer. I might have to pray more. I might have to pour out my soul more. But I also know that there are other things that come more naturally to me. There are other things that because of my past, because of my pain, because of the things that I went through growing up, that I'm able to do that others might not be able to do. So all these things that are so-called limits, all these things that are, you know, mental health in our family, a history of abuse, right, all kinds of physical health, I want you to know that God will work with these limits and you can have dreams that are big and significant, and glorify Him. You know, I'm sure you've heard this passage before. Jeremiah 29, 11. What does it say? It says, For I know the plans I have for you. Let's read this together. This is the Lord's declaration. Together now. Plans for your well-being, not for your disaster. To give you a future and a hope. You know, this promise is so much better for us on this side of Jesus. You know, so, so, so Jeremiah is writing, he, he's writing in exile with the elders. They're writing back to, in a letter that they're sending to the people in ruined Jerusalem. And, and, and in that letter, there's a prophecy that they would return in 70 years. 70 years. That means that so many of the people if not the vast majority of the people who originally heard that letter read to them, right, would hear that, those words read to them that said, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, right? Not to bring you disaster. And just about all of them would have still died occupied by a foreign power. Because people didn't live all that long. And we don't live all that long. So if you're 10, 20 years old, hearing a letter about something good's going to happen in 70 years, who's like, yeah, awesome, great. <laughs> but God is working on a totally different wavelength than we are. And God had a plan for his people. God had a plan for his people. He, he wasn't going to write off his people. And so while we always think you know, our dreams need to get intergenerational. Our dreams need to get bigger. They need to get intergenerational. Amen? I, I love the, the, my brothers and sisters who I've gotten to know who are immigrants. I love that, that immigrant mentality. I, I, I remember this one guy that I met. He was an Indian guy. And he married a Brahmin which is the highest caste, right? That's like the highest level of society. That's where they draw the priests from. And a lot of the Brahmins are like doctors and lawyers. And he was one step up from the people whose job it was to sweep the streets, sleep on the sidewalks, and used to be known in India as the untouchables. Because all the rest of the society wouldn't even want to touch those people. You know? Because whatever they did in the past life, they deserved to live on the very margin of society. And um, I remember going to the house and he used to live in this like one room apartment <laughs> with his wife. And uh, after knowing him for a few months, I came back, and he hustled. He worked so hard all the time. Um, the family did not accept him because of 
his background, being low class. And uh, I came in one day, and he had a black and white TV in that room. And I'm like, wow, you got like a TV, you know, because he had nothing before. And he said, I got this to treat me and my wife for making our first million. Right? Making our first million. Now, I have since, this was back when we were in Kenya, and uh, back way back, 2001, I was a young guy, right? I have tracked with this guy since. He moved to Atlanta. He has children who are, who are coming up, and they're in private school on their they're tracked to, to go, you know, and be doctors and lawyers. He, he's living in a nice house and all that. But, like, his dream, right? His dream. Now, we can learn some stuff from a lot of our brothers and sisters who are immigrants who realize that it ain't about them in this second, this moment, but are grinding it out for their kids and their grandkids, Investing in a future, whether they get to benefit from it or not. Why don't we have any of that spiritually? We have God, and we can't endure one day, right? God wants us to have big dreams. God wants us to have dreams that are intergenerational. God wants us to have dreams that are bigger than ourselves. Amen? You know, these dreams that I, you know, they, they might not have had God with them, yet they had, we have a ton to learn. They did not have a lot of opportunity, but they took a lot of risks and worked really hard. You know, I want you to know that we, we you know, I am, I'm one of those, like, I'm the, like, me and my sister are the first generation in our family to finish high school. And then also the first generation to finish college. And then I'm also the first in the generation to finish masters. Why am I saying that? Because it doesn't matter if you didn't finish high school or what your kids can do. Do you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what has been before. You need to know your limits. You need to know your family background. You need to deal with it. You need to heal from it. You need to grow from it. But God will use you to set up the future of your family. Let's say you don't have kids. Let's say your kids are grown. Let's say you're in a different spot. God will use you spiritually. God will use you in the church. God will use you as a friend. God will use you as an uncle. God will use you as an aunt. There is a heritage that we need to pass down. We need to have big God dreams, amen? We need to have big God dreams. I remember when I was a new Christian, and I was very cynical and very skeptical and very pessimistic. You would have said, is the glass half empty, Joe? And I'd be like, what? There's the glass? Ugh, you know what I mean? I, I, was, I was extremely pessimistic. And my... You know, and in my natural self, that's where I tend to be. I come home after a weekend of being away, and I flick on the lights, and, and I tend to be like, I'm grateful that the lights weren't cut. Like, I don't know. My wife pays that light bill. I don't. And then I look into the house, and I'm grateful nobody stole nothing or robbed me because I tend to just look towards the future for bad things to happen. I just do. But I remember this pastor. His name is Angelo Giuliani. And he was saved in a radical way. He used to, um, he used to like just hustle and sell drugs six months of the year. And then he would like go down to Florida and party for six months of the year. And he, he, this, the pastor's daughter who grew up in this, like, super confined, super religious home, like, fell in love with him. Because <laughs> that was, like, everything she didn't know <laughs> in life. 
And, uh, um, you know, God grabbed him, though, through that process and, and grabbed the daughter back. And, um, and he was in ministry. And I, I just remember being rebuked, you know. I remember him telling me, you know, God wants you to have holy optimism. I was like, does he, though? You know? <laughs> does he really? I mean, things don't really work out all the time. It's, it's better to not have any expectations, and then, you know what I mean, you'll never be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God, God, God taught me about holy optimism. Why, why shouldn't we? We're forgiven. God loves us. We're going to heaven. Amen. God who created this world is for you. He's for you. So you can just automatically assume that your dreams are too small. And so I want to end this message with this, that your dreams for yourself are too small. Your dreams for your church are too small. Your dreams for eternity are too small. And just let's just walk in the bigness of what God's dreams are for us. Amen? Let's just walk into the, the glory and the goodness and the bigness and the beauty of God's dream for us. First of all, first of all, God has dreams that He wants you to dream for yourself. And some of us, it's like, you know, if you were here last week, Pastor Rich talked about that, right? Don't give up on yourself. He talked about the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years. Now, my wife just got the shot, the infusion of iron, last Friday. And I can tell you, at one point, the very first time she got the iron, it had been like two years of weakness, having just not, you know, just having a low blood cell count. Hard to breathe. You sit up, and you want to lay down. Sucks. Imagine the 12 years and she, she, she pushed on so that she could push through the crowds in her weakness, in her shame, in her isolation, in her cutoffness from society. She touched the hem of the Lord Jesus and she was healed. For some of us, it would be energy to even think about what does the next step of our health even look like? But... See, for God to work through you, He wants to work in you. You know? Like, you're going to have dreams, all of our dreams. What do we tend to dream about? We tend to dream about the things that we do. And even if we get sanctified enough to stop dreaming about some dumb car or some dumb house or all I want in life, imagine, like, all you want in life is just to have a parking space. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that your dreams suck and they're really small and God wants more from you. He really does. Now he might give you five parking spots. I don't know. But I want you to know that just like all I dream about is to have a parking spot. All I dream about is to own my own house. All I dream about is this or that. That God wants to blow up your dreams. And one of the areas that he wants to enlarge your dreams is he wants you to see that there's a greater amount of emotional, physical, family health that he wants to call you into, the areas of your life that you would love to ignore, <laughs> that you would love to just close your eyes to, because they're difficult and they're hard. <laughs> you cannot go somewhere you haven't been staying in the same place you were. I know that sounds dumb, but it's true. Like, you're not going to get healthier, and you're not going to grow by just repeating everything you've been doing up to this point. We've got to make changes. We've got to have bigger dreams. We need a dream for our church, right? We need a dream. Before we dream for our church, we need a dream for your kids and your grandkids, Amen. And their grandkids. Man, don't have dreams like, like, I just hope that they don't get pregnant at 14. And then if they get pregnant at 14, I hope 
that they just don't, you know, have a, an abusive jerk spouse. And if they, if they have that, I just, I, just, I just hope that they'll put their kids before that spouse. And then I just hope. And we just like, you see how our dreams just wither and shrink more and more and more. And then like all of these stupid memes that we post, right? They're so dumb. God's truth is so much better. You know, all this stuff about you better put your kids before your spouse. We have completely lost hope that we would have somebody that, that God would join us together with that, that you're going to have before the kids and after the kids. That, that's actually how God designed it to work. It, I know it doesn't work all the time, but can we still have dreams for our kids? I'm so glad that though I had a single mom, right, and though she had like a stepdad who was a jerk and abusive, and she ran. I'm so glad she ran from him. I'm so glad for all that. But I'm also glad that I knew my wife before my kids. And that I'll get to know her after they're out of the house. And that she's the one that I love. You know? That's a good God dream for your life. To have somebody you're with. And, 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 and even if that's been pulled from you... Can you dream that for your kids? Can you pray that for your kids? Can you encourage that? We need to have dreams for our church. Like, how are we going to get there from here? Can you pray that we would have a building? Amen? Can we pray we have a building that we could use every day? That we could be a refuge for youth to come? A refuge for anyone to come? To be prayed for? all week long can we pray for those other places that we were mentioned before like Woodbury and Camden and Swedesboro can we pray that we'd be on the front lines of hell leading people to Jesus left and right amen we dream for eternity you know when you know where you're gonna go and where it all ends up you have absolutely nothing to lose you have the freedom to fail. We have the freedom to fail. I have failed. I've failed classes. <laughs> I've quit jobs. I've messed up sharing the gospel. I've crashed cars and I've had car stolen from me because I stupidly left the keys in the ignition in the worst neighborhood in Philadelphia where we lived. <laughs> I've wasted thousands of dollars making dumb and poor decisions, ruined my credit, I've said the wrong things and I've done the wrong things. I love this quote by Martin Luther. He says, be a sinner and sin boldly, but believe and rejoice in Christ even more boldly. Be a sinner. See, what you don't understand is that's not going to be an option. Like, you're not going to, you will be paralyzed if you try to only make a move where you don't sin. Because there's going to be a little selfishness. There's going to be a little inadequacy. There's going to be some sin in you in any move you make. So do it boldly. When you're parenting, you've got kids that are wild out. They're already older. You've, you made some mistakes, but they also, they had their own challenges that had nothing to do with you. But then, now you're in this spot where they're in rebellion, they're wiling out. Guess what? Any move you make is not going to be perfect, but make it boldly and believe and rejoice in Christ more boldly. Have dreams. Your dreams in the past, they might have failed. They might have been smashed to pieces. But I want you to move in those dreams boldly. Rejoice in Christ. Boldly. Let God totally expand your dreams. Let them be better. Let them be intergenerational. Let them be bigger in the ways that God wants them to be bigger. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for everybody here, God. I thank you for those who are watching online. God, I just I, I thank you for these truths, even for my own soul. Lord, I, I just pray, 
I pray, Lord, that like in Daniel 11.32, that, that those who fear you, that we would, do, we, we would do things. We would do exploits, as the King James says. That, that, that we would move in action. That, that there would be energy in us to dream and to follow through on dreams because your Holy Spirit lives in us and you're not done with us. And help us to see how you're working intergenerationally. Help us to see how you're working beyond our grandchildren. Help us to see how you're using the small acts of love that we are putting deposits in now. And there's compounding Holy Ghost interest on that that just reaps a harvest of righteousness. God, I pray, Father, that you would help us this week to, 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 to begin to dream in spots where we forgot how to dream, in spots where we, our dreams might have become nightmares because of our past. I pray, Lord, that we would be pursuing healing from the wounds of our past and not burying our heads in the sand. Oh, God, we pray, Father, that you would be with us. Thank you, God, that we don't have to do this alone. Thank you, God, for your church. Thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters. I pray, Lord, we'd be able to step up in each other's lives and be encouraging to each other. God, I pray that I, I, I pray for concrete dreams to come out of this church, dreams to go back to school, dreams to, to maybe like somebody wanted to have kids and they gave up having kids dreams to adopt, dreams to, to, to ask for a raise, dreams to move from one house to the other, dreams to go from renting to owning, dreams to, to just to, Lord, be in a spot to, to put a deposit, not, not to flex and live a great life without you, but to give something to our kids and our grandkids. Oh, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would expand our dreams. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.